Good morning. We'll be in Philippians chapter 4. I want to read, start reading to verse 4 through 9. So if you have your copy of God's Word, please stand with me to reading of His Word. Beginning to verse 4. says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. In the peace of God, where surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, And if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. Amen. You may be seated. I want to look at the guideposts that are set before us. The guidepost, the title to the sermon today would be the guidepost for the Christian. And the first one that we have will be the guidepost for our dependence upon God, the guidepost for our thought life, and the guidepost for our practice. As we have been going through the book of Philippians, I tell you, and I pray that it's true with you, that we are blessed people. We are blessed because you have the written Word of God in your hand. You are blessed because you have been adopted into the family of God. You are blessed. You've been changed by the power of God. You are a blessed people. We are a blessed people if we love this God, our Christ Jesus. And it's not just mere words. I stand here today to tell you about this. I'm telling you that you should know that your name is written in the book of life. And knowing these things, you are to rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. You see what it says? It's not a, it's not a suggestion. It's a command. It's an imperative. And it's for us to do. We are to be a joyful people. Look at what it says. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Listen to that. Because the rest of the passages is really unpacked out a little bit more. Are you happy and you know it? Praise the Lord. Because of the work He has done in us. Paul being a wonderful example, being an example of Christ, being an example of what we are to look upon has all the way from the beginning. And you look at Philippians, oh my goodness, what a, a standard to live with, 
to live for in that direction, to honor Christ in all that we are. When we get our minds off of Christ, we become independent. And when we become independent, we lose the peace of God. We lose our joy, and we wonder how we get there. If we believe that the written Word of God is ever before us right now, and your, your name truly is written in the Lamb's book of life, oh my goodness, how can you approach God in any other way but in thanksgiving? In all that He has done for us, He's changed our heart. And that song that was read and sung, you're on one side or the other. Either you love the Lord God and working on with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, you're working on that because if you completed that, you wouldn't be here. Or you're on the other side, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. So the flashlight, the light of God's Word is ever before us. When you look back at this imperative, looking back to this command, looking back to last week, did you rejoice in there knowing that you have peace with God? And everything that was thrown at you didn't steal your joy. Because it's the peace of God that rules your heart. The guidepost that we have is God's 66 books that we have before us. And I, I, I know that if I ask this question, there would be many that would raise their hand. Do you want to know God more? Well, the question stands before us, how, how, how hard are we looking at the prayer? How hard are we looking after the things that come into our mind? How hard are we be protecting them? How, how hard are we running after the practice of following Christ? How hard are we doing this? Now, it's not that that's going to gain you salvation. But one thing it will do, if you are into the family of God, that is going to give you peace. It's going to give you energy to go. Energy to follow. Energy to know it's not about you. It's about wearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's about truly believing by the power of God that we have been changed by His power and all that He is. In verse 5, it says, Let your gentle spirit, let your meekness be known unto all men that the Lord is near. The Lord is in you. He dwells in you. The Lord is near. Amen. And the Lord is omnipresent. He's everywhere all the time. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. Why? Because without Him, we'd have absolutely no hope. And all we would do would be anxious for everything. Worried about everything. That's all that we would do. We'd be captured by that. But today, we want to look at, am I captivated by Jesus Christ? Is my mind controlled? Is my mind desire? Am I thinking so heavily minded I can't do any good on earth? Praise the Lord for that. Because you don't want to be so earthly minded, you can't do no heavenly good. Amen? Praise the Lord for that. We're to stand firm on what He has given us. Selflessness.
I tell you, it's a wonderful, wonderful text when you think about Paul leading the example, being beaten, stoned, all these things, shipwrecked, whipped by the Jews several times. You know what we would do if we wasn't careful? We'd be complaining about the whole thing. Just like right now, you could watch the TV complain about the political stuff like that. Oh, my. Oh, my. If that's you. But we who are in the family of God, right, the Lord is near, we are to be anxious for nothing. That's a command that He's given us to do. Think about this. This is the third command. The first command was rejoice in the Lord always. I say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known unto all men, for the Lord is near. And the third command that we have here is not a suggestion. There again, it's not a suggestion. Be anxious for nothing. Be worried about nothing. Be satisfied in Christ. What does last week look like? Because that's what we have to look at. But we also have to look ahead. Today we're, we see that in verse 6 it starts out in the negative, but it has a, a positive thrust as we go through. And look at these things. Hey, are you glad? Are you happy? That you have the same spirit dwelling in you that I do in me and all the other believers? Because that's the mark that you're a believer at all. That you're in the family of God. Like wants to be with like. Conversations are driven by what you love. Conversations are driven by what we love. It says, be anxious for nothing. What's the cure for anxiety or worry? Prayer. And I tell you, and over the years, uh, that's probably the very first thing that we neglect is prayer. Prayer time. I just want to put this in your brain that when... We are not going to be about prayer, and we wake up and get on about our busy life. There's none of us here uh, that have not done it, but I don't want to cover it to make it okay. When we get on about our business, think about your independence that you're declaring. Now, there's more to prayer than just whispering a couple words. We'll see it in the text here. But when we leave the house and get so wrapped up in this world and, and run after the things that uh, we think that we need without talking to the Lord about it, you just put him on the shelf and say, Lord, I got this. I'll take care of this myself. Could you imagine the unthankfulness that comes out of that? May we be strengthened by God's word in his imperatives that he has for us today. This is not to beat us down, but this is to bring us back up. Listen, and don't worry about anything, but in everything, in prayer and supplication, and let your thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. 
But be anxious for nothing. It starts right there. When we get so wrapped up in our problems, and we think more of the earth than we do of heavenly things. This is a, a verb for us. It's a present tense, active, imperative, second person, plural. This means it's to us, and we're supposed to be doing something about it. Amen? We were here a couple of those things today because I wanted to be clear. It's not just because I read the Word and want to come up with a bunch of stuff that makes sense or... No, this is what it says. Be anxious for nothing. You remember when we was in Matthew, we had Matthew chapter 6. And I just want to read this to us just to give us an idea of what exactly, if we can remember, was given in that passage. It's in Matthew chapter 6, 25 through 34. It says, For this reason I say unto you, do not be worried about your life. As to what you will eat or you will drink, nor your body as what you will put on. Now, think about this as the Christian. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? Is, isn't the life that you now live in Christ Jesus more about Him than it is physically being here? It should be. Isn't it, though? He says, look at the birds of the sky. They do not sow, nor reap, nor gather crops into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more important than they? And which of you, by worrying, can add a single day to his life? And it goes on, so hang with me here. And they, and why are you worried about clothing? Notice how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor, nor do they spin thread for cloth. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field which is alive today, and tomorrow is thrown into the first, how much more will he clothe you? You of little faith. Do not worry then, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all things, all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom, and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now think about that just for a minute. And I think the, the, what we may forget about when we leave here is that these things that are taught and what your studies are at home, there requires an application to us. We're to apply these things to us. We are to make these things a practice in our life. This is what we are going to, uh, supposed to be doing, not if, but it's 
Seek first the kingdom, but seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. We see that there's a reality for clothing and food and drink and what's happening in the future, but do not worry about your life. For all these things could do nothing but draw you away from God. Amen? All these things could preoccupy your mind to draw you away from God. And we see that it says for nothing. What does he mean for nothing? Be, uh, be anxious for nothing. It means not one, not any man or woman or anything is what that meaning has here. But in everything, in prayer, in supplication, in thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto the God that adopted you into his family. Amen? That's good, isn't it? It is to me. I hope it is to you. I hope it puts a smile on your face because of the presence of God is just drawing you. Don't seek after these things. All these things will be added to you. You keep your mind focused upon me. You keep your footsteps in the path of righteousness. You look unto the Lord and be satisfied, content, happy, and glory in all that he has done in you and doing in you, knowing that this God of glory has you in his hand. You can't change anything by worrying. But what Satan does, he gives you the tool. You pick it up and you run off with it and you wonder how your Christian life is just such a mess. Because we seek, thirdly, the kingdom of God. When it says to seek first. Be anxious for nothing. Man, isn't that wonderful? But in prayer cures anxiety. Prayer cures worry. But let's not do that. I'm guilty. That's why I'm able to say some of this stuff. I'm guilty of that. I have been condemned of that. I have been convicted of that. I have been set free from that. And when the Lord... Here, here's the thing about being a Christian. Many people don't get it because they don't have the Spirit of God dwelling in them. That the Holy Spirit of truth... Won't let you get away with sin anymore, amen? That's good. It says, you belong to me, not just the Holy Spirit. Now remember, not just the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit of truth. People love to talk about the Holy Spirit, but it's the Holy Spirit of truth. It says, you belong to me, and you will not be able to get away with sin or find any comfort. That's wonderful. If you come into this place today without peace, and yet you're a Christian, this should help you to look on what you're chasing after, what controls your life, what you are captivated about. We all, yeah, we all need food. We all need shelter. We all need uh, money to pay bills. We, yeah, that's secondary. And until it gets secondary to you, you, you would never come into this, this fullness of the peace of God that surpasses, surpasses. Get this. There's three identifications here, three parts to this, right? And think about what it is. So the three words here describe prayer, right? The attitude, the approach, we see the supplication. In the middle of that, we see thanksgiving. And at the end of that, let your request be made known to God. In that order. But the approach is where it's at. And everything else will find its place. The approach unto, unto this God is in everything we bring unto Him. 
Now, just remember, there's no, everything that we bring to God is small. It may be big in our life, right? But it's small in His. But yet, have you grabbed the hold of the God of glory who created you and this earth and everything in it, pulled you out, and has your, His hand upon you? Isn't that wonderful? And none will take His be able to move his hand. But we throw our joy away in our approaches, in what our requests are, in our worries. We throw all, all that away, and it's, it's not healthy for us. So we see the, the approach here is in thanksgiving. Well, the first is the supplication, excuse me, supplication, meaning it's, a, it's, it's real, it's not repeating the, the, the Lord's uh, prayer that he gives to disciples, really it's disciples' prayer, right? It's not the Lord's prayer, but as the teaching, right? It's not just repeating that, and you did a prayer. It's not just, uh, and, and, and we're guilty, it, but it's not just throwing off some words off the lip. It's earnest. It's real. It's real that you are talking to the God of glory, it's real. You believe, you come to him believing that he uh, is your father. You come to him knowing that without him you could do nothing. You come to him with a holy reverence unto him. We come to this God with an earnest request, a real request. Lord, I want to know you more. Amen. That's what we want. And that's when that supplication is getting real, and that's when that supplication is also showing you what's in your life that you need to get out. However, just think about this for just a minute. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's a sermon on each one of these. The whole point is, is that our approach to God requires the right attitude of our dependence upon Him. We have to be not 99% dependent upon Him. We have to be 100%. And these are the guideposts that we have. Lord, am I approaching you correctly? Lord, do I love you? Lord, do I want you? Lord, is, is my worry overwhelming and I can't think of nothing but, but the worry and the problems of this world? Lord, help me. Then you're coming with a supplication. Then you're coming with something real. Amen. You get before this God of the Bible. Did you say that is your Father, our Father? It's all in the approach. And you being a religious person won't be able to get it here. You won't be able to get there that way. But I tell you, you being of a believer of Jesus Christ, you come, oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for supplying my every need. Thank you. And also forgive me, Lord, for not depending on you. Forgive me, Lord, when I leave the house thinking I got this and put you on a shelf. Forgive me, Lord, when arguing with the spouses and everything else comes up. You forgive me, Lord, not being of a gentle spirit and being of some rebellious spirit right here. Forgive me, Lord, not walking in meekness, knowing that the God of glory is for me. Forgive me, Lord, for focusing what the world should think I act like. But the Bible tells us, Paul tells us, to where conduct yourself worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen.
Now, that's something to think about. That's something to meditate on. That's something to see our dependence upon is this God of glory. And you ask yourself, how many times do we have to hear this? Well, look in the mirror and look at your Christian life. That'll answer it for you. Our driving force is the love of Christ. Our driving force in everything that we do is because we love Him. We love Him because, now get this, because He first loved us, we owe Him everything. Matter of fact, we, we can't even get out of the bed today if it weren't for the grace of God. And thanksgiving, see that thanksgiving, oh, come to, to the Lord with everything in prayer, with supplication, thanksgiving, thank you, Lord. And the first request should always be out of our mouth is the request of, Lord, help me to know you more, to depend upon you more, Lord. Help me just to be surrendered completely, not 99.9%, completely surrendered unto you, Lord. Help me to get there, Lord. I want to get there. Well, if we want to get there, we have the guidepost that's laid out for you today. It's in the 66th book that we have, but today we're in Philippians. And we see the guidepost starts with prayer and our dependence upon Him. It leads us to verse 7. In the God of peace, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Man, isn't that a wonderful statement, promise, however you want to package that? That applies to you. That applies to us. That says, I'm a lover of Jesus Christ, but Lord, I need help. Lord, I don't have peace in my life, but Lord, where else can I go but unto you? Lord, I, I worried about bills. I worried about this. I worried about that. Lord, forgive me that. Lord, help me to see my dependence upon you. Then do all that we do for the glory of God, and these things will become right. That's glorious. And as we are doing this thing, this is what happens. As we're getting honest with God, getting before God, this is what happens. The result of this is this the God of peace, the God, the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's not about the what, amen? It's about the who. You get the who right, and everything else will be the what that comes later in his time, and you'll be satisfied the who. The who is who you're approaching. And who do you want? Then it's going to show up in what you want. Are you satisfied in Christ Jesus this very day? Or is your want to so overwhelming of the world, the things of the world that you can't even see or hear this today? But the God of peace, the peace of God, surpasses all comprehension. That is wonderful when we think about these things. It says in verse uh, chapter 2 and 3, it says, Do nothing in selfish or empty conceit, 
but with humility, consider one another more important than yourselves. Back in chapter 2, verse 3. Chapter 3, verse 7 and 8 says, But whatever things were gained to me, these things I have counted as lost because of Christ. More than that, I count all things but lost in view of the surpassing value. Whew, the surpassing value the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered loss of all things and count them all dung so that I may gain Christ. Do you see that? What it, look, I count all things but loss in the, uh, in the view of sur the, the, the surpassing value. Okay, this is the checkpoint here. What I, how do I value Christ? Wait, look to put on, on the scale, how's my value weighing out of his knowing him, knowing that God of glory knows me and I know him? How do I value that? It should be overwhelming that it, it surpasses, meaning that the peace of God in, in me, in, in all those believers that use the tool to give uh, back to the glory of God and, and the, the, the peace of God surpasses over overrules all knowledge of this world. The peace of God I have because of the God of glory has given that to me. I'm not focused on everything else in the world. I have to do that, and I need to do that for the glory of God. Whatsoever we do, we do for the glory of God. That's a, It's a total package. We don't get to chop it off. No, I need to cuss like a sailor tomorrow and, and act like a heathen and be about me and selfishness and everything else and whatever that may look like. To those that are maybe looking on TV, uh, on the internet here, but I tell you, the, the surpassing knowledge of Jesus Christ is unmovable in our life. Why? Because it's the joy that we have. Amen. It's the joy of the Lord. You have heard me say, but I tell you, it is the truth. If you're happy and you know it, tell your face. Because if you're happy and you know it, then your face should surely show it. If you're happy and you know it, and you're a lover of Jesus Christ, the whole world will know it. Amen? Praise the Lord for that. He is worthy. What happens to this? What happens on this third part right here? We see that the, your heart, the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see that? It'll guard you when your mind... And your peace is on the Lord. When our heart and mind and soul and everything is just captivated by God. You know, we just don't have time to worry. We don't have no place for it in our schedule. That's what it should be. Now, it doesn't mean we lay down or do nothing. That's just using it to sin. We are to do what we do for the glory of God. It goes hand in hand. But this peace, even though it looks like this, uh, 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 the whole world is falling down around us, this peace overrides the knowledge of the world. Isn't that wonderful? That, that should, if you know this peace, it means everything to you. If you want this peace, the invitation is there for you. But this peace has been said for many Christians you think about Paul giving an example, being tied to a Roman, 
for two years of imprisonment, not knowing what is, uh, he's about. You know, he, he, you know, what does he contemplate? He's worried about the church. He is concerned about the church. He's praying for the church over in Philippi. Amen? He's not worried about his life or what it may be or what it may come, right? Whatever happened to it, but he's changed to a Roman soldier every eight hours to change guard, right? Paul is satisfied where he's at at the time. I would say that, right? Because his hope and trust is in Jesus Christ alone, not plus something, but alone in Jesus Christ. And he gets to witness possibly to someone new every eight hours. Amen. Could you imagine having a prisoner like that? All they want to talk about is Jesus is Jesus that. Can't shut the man up. That's all he wants to talk about. See that what's happening? That man goes tell the other soldiers, leads over and keeps spreading out. For they know it, they're, they're sharing the gospel. They don't even know why. Amen. That's good stuff. We see here, regard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is the military term that is guarded by God himself as you look unto him and trusting in him, being satisfied in him. And this will guard your hearts in your mind. This is what does it. The God of glory. By you practicing what the Lord gave you to do. Being focused upon Him. Prayer truly is the cure for worrying. And now we're going to get a little deeper here because the second point that we have, we looked at the the God post for our dependence is upon that we, we have to depend upon God, truly depend upon God, not by word only, but a life, a heart that pumps Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Amen? This is the thing that's captivated our minds, our actions, everything about us. If you're a lover of Jesus Christ, right, the world should know it. They should know there's something about this person. He has peace no matter if the world seems like it's falling down. They have peace. What is it with these people that have peace? We know the God of peace, amen? And he has shed that peace upon our heart, and he guards us from any invasion of what? Worry. Man, that's good news this morning, amen? It should be, I hope it's hitting home. It's been hitting home with me over and over and over again. And I praise God for it. But we're not done yet. We look at the guidepost for our thoughts. Oh, my, not the thoughts. The first part has to be there. And now, the second part that we have here says, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence, if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Now, the first thing that we need to understand that the end of the, uh, the first list we had and the God of peace will surpass all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind. And that's the end of the first list of the Christian guidepost. The second list is here now, ending will on dwelling on these things. Again, that's an imperative. It's, it, it's talking to us, 
right? It is not an option. Now think about, really, before we get into this, I want you to think about this, what the, uh, the uh, Solomon said. He says, for as a man thanks within himself, so is he. So is he. So how does that look like on you and on me? When you think about God, what is it that comes into your mind? Paul is turning our thoughts to provide an environment of peace that is unified in thought with the God of peace, and that we would be captivated by what we think about. And whatsoever we do, we truly have that flag flying for us today. It gives us the direction of a person, the mind that determines the direction of a person's life. Do you see that? John Scott said this, the battle for the Christian life is the battle for the Christian mind. And those who are interested, I do have this book right here. It's really good. I only read half of it this far, but it's uh, God's battle plan for the mind. And it ha- goes, of course, it has Scripture, and it's going through Scripture. And if you're interested in that, let me know. I could get one to you, put it in your hands. But you think about this finally. This is the final, finally. He actually is going to close here at the end of chapter 4. It's not another sermon coming after that, but dwelling on these things, right, is what completes the verb down here. Dwell on these things. What things is what we just came through? Brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, practice these things. It's the second list that we have there as well in the next guidepost. Now, the guidepost that we have is what Paul is telling to us, the application of what we have been through since we've been in the book of Philippians. What has Paul taught us? Well, we'll get to that in just a minute, but I want you to think about as we're going through this, these are what we are to dwell on. It gives us the perimeters of the the idea, whatever is true. Now, I'm going to quickly go through this what these words, the meaning to these words, and then we'll go back again and dwell on these things. So whatever is true, is truthfulness, dependability. The word true means authentic, genuine, reliable, honest, and faithful. Is that me? Because this is what we are up against. Is it me? When you say my name, because I'm a Christian, you can say these words afterwards. And this is what it should be for the Christian. So whatever the truth must line up with God's word that comes out of his mouth and recorded in Scripture. Amen? Whatever is true. Okay, that kind of puts a block there on a couple of things, but we're going to go on through it. It says whatever is honorable, number two, worthy of respect, honor, honor, uh, honor or noble. Worthy of respect, as opposed to something that is crude and vulgar. Think about the TV that could turn quickly on you if you're watching things that you shouldn't be watching. The thought life does matter because it governs everything else. What a wonderful God that knows our thought life right now, but doesn't kick us out of the kingdom of God. You know what he wants for us? 
He wants us to sure up. He wants us to, to evaluate these things, look at these things. What's wrong in my life that I may honor Him and get rid of? So as you think about meditating on the Word of God, if you're bringing in garbage into the brain, garbage is coming out of your mouth. Amen? If you're bringing in things that pertain to God and rejoice in all that He is, well, that's what's going to be coming out of your mouth. Whatever is right or just implies giving God, uh, uh, giving God and the people just uh, justness just as worthy of them, an ideal for Christian virtue. The word right, right comes from righteousness, righteousness conforms to, to the standard, standard, a standard. Paul gave us a standard which is above all things, which is Christ Jesus himself. Right? The standard is God holiness. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. Right? Now, this is, should be on mine more as we go through this right here. And uh, I'm thinking maybe I should stop before we go too far. Whatever is pure. And if you would allow. I want you to think about these things. Whatever is pure means whatever is holy. To be pure is to be wholesome, morally whole, clean, unmixed with impurities. Meaning it's the Ten Commandments pressed upon our lives. It's not the Ten Suggestions. It's the Ten Commands of God that we don't throw away. We apply them to our life, but not under condemnation because those that are in Christ Jesus are not in condemnation, right? So we do these because of a thankful heart unto Him. And it all comes with the approach. And so I think our best bet, because I, I have to rush through everything and I don't want to do that, I am just going to stop right here and talk a minute more, and then we'll close, but Lord willing, we'll pick up the second part next week. I want you to think about what we have gone through this far. Are you truly, completely depending upon this God for every need you have? Are you truly rejoicing in Him, thanking Him for the good mercy and grace that He has bestowed upon you? Is that a reality? Is your request made known to God as nothing but material things? Material things, nothing but material things. Repent of that. If we look upon this God and, and, and rejoice in all that He has, we're going to be single-minded, single-focused upon the glories that God has shown us through His Word, by the power of His Word. And the God post that we have is truly the 66 books that we have before us. But I, I ask you, how do you start your day? I don't want you to answer to me. I tell people that all the time. You don't need to answer to me. You need to get before God and answer Him. How is it with you? How is it with you today? Do you know this God of peace? Do you desire to know this God of peace more? Are you just kind of neutral, which impossible? Are you stagnant in your faith? Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is holy. And again, we'll 
think about these things. And as I do, I'll close with this list that I have thought and contemplated on in verse 9. And I want to just ask a couple things. What have you learned in Philippians? I don't know about you, but Philippians has been very, very good unto us. It has enriched my life. I still got room for growing. I haven't arrived. But what have you applied? See, application is the issue. Application is the issue. Because when we just walk out of here and don't apply these things to our lives, no wonder you're dried up like a prune. No wonder you have no joy. No wonder you're just terrified and worried about everything. No wonder, because you're not trusting in the God that has done the work in you. Either that or you don't know him. But Paul, in all his selflessness, all that he said, he says, stand worthy of the manner of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are we doing that? Application, application, application means that we don't get to leave here today neutral and do nothing about it and forget about what we touched on today. Each time we come into Bible study and word preach, Sunday school, whatever it is, we're to do something with that. Be changed by it. Why? Because we want to be changed by it. Why? Because we want more of Christ. Why? Because we want more of Him that gives us more peace, more joy, and more love for the glory of God. That's why we do what we do. That's what we want. That's our driving force. Now, I ask you and leave you with this thought. What is your mind captivated about? How everybody's wrong and you're right? Repent. Believe the gospel. Is there unity in your life? If not, repent and believe the gospel. I tell you, these things are before us, and we'll dig more into them. Now, I pray the Lord bless you by not letting you get away with any sin, by letting you know that you belong to Him, by letting you know it's not about you or even our Every one of us had this pity party when we focus on something besides God. We have these little pity parties. Satan is going to give us that tool. Be sure of that. But if you keep your mind focused on what is pure and holy and apply, apply, these things to our lives. Well, I don't know how to get there. Well, get in the Word of God. It'll teach you. Get back and look at the, to the Philippians uh, messages. It'll teach you. But the question is, do you want to be taught or do you have a little secretive goal is the reason why you're doing what you're doing? God knows our very thoughts. Amen? Amen. We should rejoice in that or be terrified of it. You're not going to get away with it with him. He knows what you're depending on, whether it be him or your ability. He knows you're unhappy because you're not getting what, you're want, what you want. And therefore, you're not going to come to him with thanksgiving. You're not going to come to him at all. You're not going to do these things. And you're talking to the God of glory who spoke this world into existence.
Get real. It's time. Apply. Let us pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for... Lord, just not wanting to press through this so quick that we don't get it. But Lord, as we contemplate these things this past, this coming week, and what we look like this past week, Lord, may our prayer, our desire be, Lord, help me. Help me to approach you. Help me to approach you and have this peace that surpasses all the knowledge of the world. That nobody can, it's a divine peace that rocks our world. Lord, if anybody de- deserved to have a pity party, that'd be Paul. But no, he gives us an, an example of what to go look at, what to be, what to be contemplating, what to be captivated by, captivated by. And he's captivated by the blood of Jesus Christ for him, which causes him to love others. Oh, God, help us. Help us to be a church family that actually does love one another. Not by word only, by action. Pray for one another. Approach you rightly. And this peace can't be taken away, but we could give it away. So help us.